0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but here's my number, so call me and help save me from this possible child torture and murderer. Wow. Join me.
1: Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. I can't wait for the Black Phone 2 about the Black Phone app that'll just have dead people helping you throughout your life. Like just help me out. Call the Black Phone app, everybody.
0: And Jeff Kanuck.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm trapped in somebody's basement, but leave a message and I'll call you back. Wow. Oh, we, both you songs, <laughs> we both had
0: songs, Jeff. Independently. We both had songs.
2: Incredible. Incredible. Not well, even
1: the music. There's very little music in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what was the
2: inspiration there? But there should be, is what we're saying. Where uh-huh. uh-huh. were all be. the
0: needle drops? Is the question. <laughs> Those are, of course, all extremely vague references to the fact that today on the filmcast, we're going to be reviewing The Black Phone, the newest film by Scott Derrickson. Looking forward to talking about that with you all. You can find more episodes of this podcast at filmcast.com Email us at slash at gmail.com. Use hashtag slash tag to recommend stuff for us to watch and patreon.com slash film podcast is how you can support the show sign up for ad free episodes as well as exclusive after darks huge thanks to all those folks at patreon.com slash film podcast who keep this show running we are of course going to also dive into what we've been watching this week a lot of good stuff to talk about before uh, we get to our review of the black phone but first I want to cover some of the feedback Uh, that came in response to our Scintillating Lightyear review. uh, Scintillating, uh, yes. I I think that there was actually quite a bit of... uh, like We spent a significant amount of time, probably most of the time of that review, talking about how the movie Lightyear makes absolutely no sense given the lore that was set up uh, in the beginning of the movie, which is like the movie is saying, hey, this is the movie that Andy watched uh, in 1995 uh, before buying the year toy, the Buzz Lightyear toy in Toy Story, yeah, and you know we spent like we spent a significant amount of time talking about like how that doesn't make any sense. I actually agreed with Jeff's points, um, but Devinger brought up some really good points too, which is that uh, that oftentimes you have a movie that is really dark and serious, and you also have. Mm-hmm. toys or cartoons based off of them that are not as dark and serious.
1: Yeah, we right? lived through this, guys. I, I remember all of this, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. DeVingra
0: brought a Beetlejuice as an option. Somebody else actually brought up Starship Troopers. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Starship yeah. Troopers yeah. That, that became toys. a cartoon, and you have, like, action mm-hmm. figures and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I did want to acknowledge that that is a reality. Um, But I think, you know, Jeff, Jeff puts it well, which is, like, the movie didn't say that. It could have said that. could have said, like, could have added another paragraph to the title cards
1: and said... You know, <laughs> explain hey. full context by the yeah. way Thanks Yeah. To the machinations of capitalism uh, it has been dumbed down <laughs> for andy B- bt dubs you know like yeah. there was remember a whole Beetleju- franchise <laughs> just yeah. said, remember
2: beetlejuice guys and then question mark at the end actually the best the best one i i saw on twitter some or i don't even remember if it was twitter but somebody uh mentioned this uh to me that i thought was actually pretty clever it should have instead of saying this is the movie that andy watched it should have said, this is the gritty reboot that Andy grew up to make.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After
2: watching, after loving the the toys <laughs> as a child, he grew up to become a filmmaker, and this is the gritty buzzly, Buzz Lightyear reboot that he he made. I would have been like, oh, now I'm in. Now I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the one thing we didn't mention during the uh review that I feel bad about not mentioning is, we talked about the many ways in which Lightyear the film retcons are a concept of light, you know, Buzz Lightyear's universe. One of them was that the bad guy in the original Toy Story movies was not just Zerg. It uh-huh. was the evil Emperor Zerg. Yeah. The evil Emperor Zerg is what it was called. Yeah. And I'm not going to spoil Lightyear, but I will tell you,
2: there's evil no Emperor empire.
0: Zerg makes no sense. <laughs> there's no <You> know. empire. <laughs> <laughs> there's not no many empire.
1: robots. You
2: know. It doesn't make any
0: sense friends. at all in the context of Lightyear the movie. So... Uh, I did want to want to call that out, yeah. but again, yeah, maybe gritty reboot. Maybe, you know, uh, there was a cartoon that the toys actually actually clearly based of. the
1: cartoon. Like you guys remember the Beetlejuice cartoon? Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched He was a good guy. He was hanging out with Lydia all day. Like they were best buds. That's not yeah. movie. <laughs> it was good,
2: but also there was that actual buzz Lightyear cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Early, true. early aughts. It's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's true. Um, also, Enrique writes in the slash filmcast at gmail.com regarding Jeff's point about Buzz Lightyear being so different uh, from Buzz in the film. I'd like to remind him of all the weird toy line tie ins from the 80s and 90s. I had a RoboCop action figure uh, who is blue rather than silver and Jeff Goldblum and Vince Vaughn from the Lost World Jurassic Park action figures who had no resemblance to the actors and unnecessary action accessories. So I yeah. can give the film a pass in that regard. Remember all the unnecessary action accessories, guys?
2: I do, I do yeah, Which I do. means, which, which is, was another point that I made Is there's no, no universe where They would have sold the cat separately You don't buy the tiny cat separately That's a That's a, <laughs> yes. a pack-in with Buzz Lightyear, man I, I
0: think I've come around to that point of view, Jeff I've come around to that point of view I want to read the rest of Enrique's email, actually I think it's kind of interesting Enrique writes in um, Despite the film's, it's fine, I guess, quality It managed to cause quite a bit of, stir, of a stir in my country Peru is a conservative country But not exactly the kind of place one thinks of when reading reports of censoring or banning films who happen to have any kind of LGBTQ representation, at least until this past weekend. The biggest movie theater chain in Peru, CinePlanet, uh, added a warning to the summary of the film on their website saying that the film contained a gender ideology, quote unquote. In my country, and I think in other places in South America, gender ideology is a phrase that both means nothing... And at the same time means anything that is not gender, uh, gender roles or sexuality straight out of a 1950s American sitcom. Is a man washing the dishes gender ideology? Probably since men are not supposed to help out around the house. Is a lesbian couple gender ideology? Uh, Yeah, since women can only date and marry men in itself. The major movie chain in the country taking such an awful and bigoted warning would be bad enough. But what makes it to the top is that since this is Pride Month, the movie chain and other brands owned by their parent company are doing the usual, let's color our logo with the rainbow colors and make some vague comments about diversity. Uh, As expected, people online tore them to pieces, and by the end of the weekend, the company deleted their warning and made some vague comments about it being a mistake in their support of diversity. Still, it does make me feel that even when a major company like Disney makes a half-hearted attempt at inclusion, conservatives will reject it. With the controversy over, all that remains is a new meme where people just use two images of uh, or images of two men and, or two women kissing with the caption, they just saw Lightyear. Is it homophobic or is it making fun of the right wing's homophobia? I'm not the right person to answer it, but I find it amusing that this had a bigger impact than the film itself. End quote. Uh, appreciate getting that viewpoint from uh, another country. Lightyear is tanking at the box office right now. Um, it's really mm-hmm. doing pretty Drop poorly. dropped like what, 70%? Yeah, uh, something in the 60%, but it had the biggest second weekend drop of any movie in Pixar history other than Onward, which had the pandemic to contend with. Um, So it is not doing well. And I think there is a a legitimate fear that Disney will take the wrong lessons from this. Wrong lesson number one, uh, that putting uh, diverse people and inclusion in your movies is a uh, thing that attracts too much controversy. Like that's a terrible lesson to draw from this. It's the wrong lesson um lesson number two pixar movies should not be uh in theaters you know they they don't do well in theaters i think those are both those would both be terrible lessons to draw from it but it's unfortunate it's an unfortunate situation that lightyear is not doing very well probably because the movie's not that great but but it still is like these things can still
1: have an impact yeah. so i hope I mean, that- there are, there are worse pixar movies out there you know <laughs> we saw the last dinosaur I didn't see Onward. I don't know if that movie even exists. It's the Good Dinosaur. Yeah, the yes. Good Dinosaur. whatever. This movie
0: might do worse than the Good Dinosaur. Yeah. You know. Um. So it's uh, it's a shame. And and what's ironic is this movie was chosen as a theatrical release because it was supposed to be the safe IP. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's for guys, for boys, <laughs>
3: little boys, <laughs> action
1: figures, space. Yes. yes. No, those red pandas. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's a shame. So I hope Disney does not take the wrong lessons. From the the release and failure of Lightyear, mm-hmm. and that we are able to see really interesting Pixar movies back in theaters again in the future, but
1: we'll it, see. It's, it's like this is something Disney has talked about for a while too. Like right before they bought um, Star Wars and Marvel, wasn't the there was a lot of talk about Disney needs stuff for boys. We can't just mm-hmm. have princess stuff we need we need i p for little boys because that's such an that underserved more. audience you know what Jeez. I'm saying <laughs> I'm being
0: sarcastic I'm being sarcastic yeah. anyway yeah.
1: but that that was a clear mission for them like that was why Tron uh legacy happened you know mm-hmm. that's why a lot of those things happened
2: so I, mean, I guess there is a cost to put movies in theaters it's it's sure i shouldn't yeah. I shouldn't Mass- you know, massive is massive but also you're you still get the Disney Plus release. Like, you yes. don't yeah. lose the Disney Plus release. I and mean, if there's a bunch of people that don't go see Lightyear in movie theaters and would see it, if the lesson is like, oh, we should just put this out on Disney Plus, I don't, I don't see how that's you lose that by putting them in the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I guess it's yeah, the cost it's, thing. Is it's the,
0: the co- you know, it co- can cost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to do a theatrical release. But also, uh, the, on the flip side, movies that get a theatrical release do better on streaming. They are watched by more people like we have some statistics to show this now because they're more cultural events, you know, so people will be like, oh, I got to see the thing that was in the theaters, right? Well, And and also all
2: that tens of millions of dollars you spent on advertising doesn't just vanish. It doesn't
0: just vanish. It implants light year in people's minds still, you know. So anyway, Um, well, speaking of box office, uh, this past weekend, there were a couple of milestones. Okay. First of all, this is the first weekend, I think, since 2018, 2016, in a few years where we've had four movies at the box office that made over $20 million domestically, which is actually really encouraging. It's like yeah, yeah. Um, the movie, the theatrical film going is kind of coming back a little bit. Still mm-hmm. down since pre-pandemic, but uh, a lot of that is because there's just not that much product out there. There's not that many mm-hmm. hit movies in theaters right now. Uh, but yeah, there have been four movies in theaters that made over $20 million. Um, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic World Dominion, um, The Black Phone, and uh and the black that's phone four. that's a period that's Lightyear did not make uh <laughs> i was gonna say Lightyear, but it actually made less than 20 million dollars this weekend so it it did real bad um
1: i also want to point out that elvis see,
2: disney should have made a movie like the black phone and they would have
1: <laughs> I, w- I would love to see pixar's take on the black phone yes <laughs>
2: yes yeah.
0: elvis um was neck and neck with Top Gun Maverick this weekend. It it was almost a thing where like Top Gun Maverick could have won, which would have been incredible that it became number one again at the box office. And I think it's what fourth or fifth week. Um, But it pulled ahead. Elvis pulled ahead and it made $31 million. uh, So it is number one at the box office, but Top Gun Maverick $30.5 million in its fifth weekend. I think that's the most money any movie has made in its fifth weekend other than Titanic. I
1: think something Mm like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Good Top Gun Maverick, we did, we did not uh, joke about <laughs> the box office potential of Top Gun, you know. Like we were. I, fully I'm on glad board we didn't spend 30 <laughs> yeah. minutes making fun of someone for saying Top Gun Maverick might be a hit. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, that it's amazing been
2: to me that uh, a movie about a superstar that's so old that people barely remember did so well at the box office. And also Elvis. <laughs> Boom goes with that. Nicely done, <laughs> Jeff.
0: That was very good. That's very good. Um, but Top Gun Maverick, you know, almost, was, almost beat Elvis. Almost was number one at the box office. Did beat Jurassic World Dominion, a movie that came out two weeks later than yeah. Top Gun Maverick.
2: The which demand one did, for which Top one Gun did Maverick, all of us pick to be the number one movie this summer? <laughs>
0: yes. Top Gun Maverick, At this, the only other movie that can beat Top Gun Maverick this summer is Thor Love and Thunder. That's mm-hmm, the only mm-hmm. other movie yeah. that might. And I don't think it's gonna.
2: I if, think Top Gun Maver- oh, yeah, Maverick Maverick is agree. gonna be number one. At this point, I think it's clear. I think the writing's on the F 14. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 the, yeah. I, and and honestly, as much as this, you know, personally embarrasses all of us, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh uh huh I'm heartened by this. Like this mm-hmm. we all cynically put Jurassic World, knowing that, that movie was probably gonna be terrible. Which yeah. it was,
0: yeah. Which it was. Which it was
2: yeah. Yeah. proved to be correct on that front. But yeah. We all cynically put that number one because, oh, you know, Americans are going to be dumb and they're going to rush out to see the dumb movie. And I, it heartens me when that is wrong, when we are wrong about that. Yeah, it's
1: great. I mean, if, if anybody had actually predicted full on, because Jermaine didn't even say number one for Top no. Gun, right? He so said number like, three. I mean. Can you if,
2: imagine if any of us said if number said that, one? yeah, you would have sounded <laughs> insane. You
1: would have yes. sounded like a psychopath. Yes. So yes. that's why we responded to Jermaine the way we did, because yeah. he was so high. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's really it has me shook. You know mm-hmm. how well it's mm-hmm. doing, and also how poorly we conducted ourselves in the summer sure, movie sure. wager episode.
1: You I know, mean, like, the nature wow. of reality d- is not <laughs> holding anymore, so anything goes, guys. Like anything that's true. at this point. Yeah, but but you uh, shouldn't be yeah,
2: surprised about us conducting ourselves poorly. Mm-hmm. Dave. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you're that's right. Par it's the
0: course. It's true. That's yeah. part for the course. But I, I will say that I think that what is great about Top Gun. Okay, yes, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, you you can say there's many problems with it. You can say that it obviously. Uh, is going to be used as a recruitment tool by the American military. Uh it's it's headlined by a guy who is a heavy participant and is Scientology's most visible member, which is mm-hmm. arguably responsible for human rights violations. So, it's not like it's a movie that I feel 100% good about rooting for, but
2: but you did see it four times in the
0: theater. Yeah. planes do
1: go boom. Yeah.
0: But I have to but plane go fast. Guys. <laughs> plane yeah. go fast. Uh and and the thing about Top Gun Maverick is it shows that if you can create an experience that is that has a lot of spectacle and that has a lot of emotion, people will go out to the theater to see it. You know, and, um, you know, this is a movie that I actually don't think the ad campaign was that good. You're know, like, I, I think the, the ad campaign told you nothing about the movie's actual story. Um, it was just like, here's a bunch of images and Tom Cruise flying in planes and that's it. Uh, but word of mouth, I think has carried this thing 100%. all the way to where it is. You know, Yeah.
2: Word of mouth is a big part of it, but I also think there's something ineffable about it. Uh, there's something, I, I think that if this movie had come out on its original release yes. date, mm-hmm. it would Agreed. not have been this hit. 100%. Yeah. 100%. There's, we we there,
1: want to go back to a simpler time. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I don't think, I don't think it can simply be stated that, you know, it's, it's a movie that, you know, gives you spectacle and has heart. Like those things are true, but I don't, I think there's some
0: Th- that, that con- takes it to three hundred million domestic, not five hundred twenty-one million. Domestic, yeah,
2: it, right? there's some convergence yes. of right thing at the right time. Yeah, that yeah. just you just can't ever bet on, and it just it just happened to be the case. And uh, it's kind of neat to see it. It's it's so unexpected. Like I have been saying over and over, we've had hundreds, if not thousands, of people put in their top tens on our website. <laughs> I would venture to guess not a single person put that movie number one. <laughs> So it's not, it's,
0: or if they were, they entered like 50 times with like different permutations, you know, it probably wasn't,
2: I'd (laughs) guess that you can't find a single, uh, sheet that has it at at number one. And, and I think that's kind of neat. That's kind of cool that, that this, it, it's the fun of doing this every year or, you know, once every three years, as the case recently, (laughs) but, uh, is, is to just see how unpredictable all this stuff really is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah, just it's just so remarkable that Top Gun Maverick in its 5th week beat yeah. Jurassic World Dominion in its 3rd week. Like, yeah. That that is almost equally as unpredictable as Top Gun Maverick being number 1 is that Top Gun Maverick would ever beat Jurassic World on any week. Right. Um and that The Black Phone would beat later in its 2nd weekend.
2: <laughs> that you know? also. That also if you had asked me, I would have laughed <laughs> you out of the room.
0: Yeah, all, all those of us who put Blackphone as a dark horse are looking real good right a now, right dark guys? horse,
2: though. You didn't, you know, every, all of us put Lightyear in the top five, I think, yeah, right? Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh.
0: yeah, yeah, pretty bad, pretty
2: bad. Anyway, <laughs> the Summer
0: Movie Wager continues to surprise us. Play along at thesummermoviewager.com.
2: Hey, it's time for me to tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. A VPN! It's essential. You got to use one. Why? There are so many reasons why. Chief among them is security. You know about snoops? You know about snoops? Snoops are snooping. Snoops and criminals. NordVPN shields your IP address and secures your online traffic with state of the art encryption directly. Stopping those snoops. Stop the snoops. Not Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg can look at all all the stuff I do. Online if he wants. But the snoops. I don't like the snoops and the criminals looking at my stuff. Safely listen to podcasts like this one. Stream shows or simply browse in complete privacy uh, outside the watchful eye of the snoops. You're going to protect yourself on the public Wi-Fi if you're traveling. Oh, my gosh. You, gotta, you don't want to just attach yourself to public Wi-Fi. It's like swimming in a sewer full of snoops due to shoddy security. Snoops can easily break into public Wi-Fi networks to spy on your data. It's what Snoops love to do. Unless you encrypt it first with NordVPN. You can secure every single device you own because the NordVPN apps are available for all the major operating systems. Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, iOS. Connect up to six devices separately with just a single subscription. Or simply set up NordVPN on your router to protect your whole household from snoops. There's probably snoops in your neighborhood right now. Also, uh, there's lots of other reasons to use a VPN. You can watch stuff in other regions or watch your stuff while you are in other regions. And NordVPN is fast. It's confirmed by the speed test. NordVPN is the fastest VPN out there. 5,500 plus servers in 59 countries. You can find a server near you for better speed or to connect to a faraway location to freely explore the internet. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com filmcast to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NordVPN slash Filmcast for that huge discount. Free threat protection from snoops and in one additional month for free.
0: All right, folks. Let's start talking about some what we've been watching. Uh, I want to talk about a movie I saw last week. Uh, that I didn't talk about, but it's still a big release. It's uh, Joseph Kaczynski. Speaking of Top Gun Maverick, Joseph Kaczynski directed a movie that's on Netflix right now. This is amazing, guys! You can it, see it's, it's been delayed K- for so long. He had a whole other movie ready. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a movie where all of the actors also did all their own stunts. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the movie is Spiderhead. It's based off of a New Yorker short story. It's uh, mostly takes place in one location. Um. I think uh, Jeff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Get, you saw this movie too. I'm gonna give you the benefit did. of the doubt and say, hey, uh, this is a movie that, to the extent that it can be enjoyed, which I would say is of limited amount, to the extent that it can be enjoyed, maybe save yourself from watching the pre- or learning about the premise beforehand, right?
2: Yeah. Um, yes.
0: So I'm you gonna described give it, it
2: to me. The reason I watched it, yes, is because you described it to me as a long Black Mirror episode. Yes. Would you and say I that's ho- accurate? I would say that's accurate. Yeah. And I would. I know that you said that to me as a way to dissuade me from seeing yes. it.
0: <laughs> and instead, it only intrigued you, right? Yes, it, it intrigued, intrigued me you. to yeah. the point
2: where I, I put it on and watched uh, the whole thing. <laughs>
0: okay, well, I am now going to give away the premise of Spiderhead. So, you know, if skip ahead if you don't want to know the premise. But in the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. One sub-subject for a new drug capable of capable of generating feelings of love begins to question the reality of his emotions. End quote. That's the IMDb plot summary for Spiderhead. The movie stars, Miles Teller, um, Chris Hemsworth and journey Smollett.
2: And you you might think based on those stars and the fact (laughs) that it's the director of the biggest action movie in theaters, you might Uh, think 2022. Yeah. 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 That you might think that this would be an action movie.
0: You might, you might, but you'd be wrong. Well, I don't know if I associate Joseph, like, if you look at his work, right? Oblivion. Um, action movie. Would you say it's an, I guess. A hundred percent. I guess, I guess it, okay. I don't yeah. want this to yeah, turn yeah, into yeah. another Tom Cruise yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to classify that as a sci-fi action movie. Yes, right? yes, it, is? yes. it is. There okay. is
1: action. Um. Tron Legacy is that a sci-fi action movie? Too? Yeah, dude. Okay, 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 okay. Fine, you're right. We, you're right okay. we had years of watching that damn Tron.
0: Okay, well, trace, uh, like the race point thing, I'm making. Yeah. The point I'm making is I didn't expect anything. I just expected it to
2: look pretty. Okay, <laughs> it's it's Chris Hemsworth, uh-huh. you know, big uh, muscle-bound action star. Uh, also, unfairly talented individual. Just like un- agreed, you can't agreed. look like that and also be that good of an actor. Like that's not fair. That's not. It's not fair.
0: Yeah, I didn't like this movie very much i think the premise is super interesting i think it completely falls apart in the second half it gets really silly with characters making baffling decisions uh and ultimately unfortunately was not a fan that said uh great cast some cool acting performances and of course like all joseph kaczynski movies it looks real good Mm -hmm. but i was not overall a fan of spiderhead jeff canada curious what you thought of spiderhead on netflix
2: I basically agree with all of that. Uh, I really? Think it, oh, okay. it, it completely falls apart at the end. Completely, yes. yep. 100% just tumbles down a mineshaft. Starts it's,
0: strong. Starts strong. Though, starts right? very
2: strong. I mean, these are the kinds of movies I like. These sort of uh, bottle episodes as a movie, right? This, yeah. It's it's contained. It's just, it's basically a play. It's yes. you know very, yes. very few actors in one location talking. That, that's my jam. Yep. And- you know, although I did, ex- I was like, "When does the action start?" Oh, I guess never. Um, but, <laughs> Eventually, but, there will be action in this Joseph Kaczynski action movie, perhaps. Yeah, um,
0: I thought perhaps.
2: Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and and yes, and and it kind of uh, brings up some really interesting notions, and it's a cool sci-fi premise, and very much is a Black Mirror kind of premise of you know you could definitely see something like this happening, you know, in a in a near future uh, where we get, you know, the sort of biotech companies figure out ways to, uh, you know, influence our emotions in very specific ways. And, and it's all like built into an app. Like all of those ideas are, are, are pretty slick and interesting to d- delve into. And the movie just completely <laughs> squanders all of that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But I will say Chris Hemsworth, man, he's fantastic. Stick in this movie mm-hmm.
0: I don't know man <laughs> I, I think he is very good but I think he and Miles Teller are both pretty badly miscast personally well um, I think he, that in character sense that the, the Chris Hemsworth character should be 20 years older than he is
2: 100% it, he should be 20 yeah <laughs> there's no universe yeah. where that guy has that job yeah, like. that seemed
1: like a John Hamm role or something yes yeah. would yeah. have been
0: perfect John Hamm who, who has starred in a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. Yes, um, but I I agree. Also, Miles but Teller, he's great, dude. Like, yeah. I, go ahead, tell I me tell away, me why you love him in this movie.
2: I came away from this like I know watching the, the the most recent Thor movies and and other movies where you you go, wow, this guy has comedic chops. He has sure. range. He he's not just this you know impossibly beautiful face <laughs> and body. He was uh, the best
1: he, part of the Ghostbusters reboot, you know. Yes, yeah. he's great yeah. in that.
2: Um, here he plays a very nuanced super charming villain and does so with a plum i i could not believe how wonderfully he walks that tightrope of like hey i'm a nice dude i'm a nice guy what's what's the problem it's 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 a a, a really beautiful a uh, snake oil salesman a a a really uh effective um, you know, evil wrapped in kindness, and I just thought his performance was real. I mean, almost worth watch. It's worth watching the first hour of this movie for him, and then just turn it off and never come back to it. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's totally fine. Like
0: I, he is really working his ass off here. I think it is a very admirable performance. But yeah, I, I it's hard for me to get over the miscasting because it just feels like. In Not in a hundred years would you imagine that that's the guy. Well, again, the the character that he's playing, right? You, you have a lot of associations and connotations with what that character is like. Not in a hundred years would you imagine it looks like Chris Hemsworth,
2: right? Right, right.
0: Um, that said, given that, the performance is great, you know?
2: Well, there's one line in the movie... Where he's like, beautiful people get away with so much just because they're beautiful. He's like, ah, I've had that a few times or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's your entire life, man. Yeah. If, you, if you're that guy living that life, that's come on. Yeah. I, I haven't
1: uh, seen this whole movie yet, but wasn't that the ba- the main problem with Black Hat Two? Is that I, I that that movie is kind of a mess. But also, I I never bought him as you know best hacker in the world guy mm-hmm, too. So mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and I
0: hate I hate to be discriminating on looks in the other direction, you know? Uh, I, I think he'll looking. be fine. I think he'll be totally fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll <laughs> be fine. That. So uh, I will also say, Miles Teller, I have no idea what is going on with his hair in this movie. I think <laughs> he's supposed to be like a blue collar guy who like lived in a trailer. Like that's his uh-huh. backstory. And so he was supposed to have a mullet, but it feels like they started giving him a mullet and Miles Teller was like, no, sorry guys, I can't do this. And so halfway through the haircut, he declined the mullet and like that's what is his haircut on screen um, so it's just very bizarre I like, mean they should
2: have he, titled the m- movie I declined the mullet that I would have been a very, good, very right. good title that's for the film
0: um, so interesting ideas great cat everyone's doing their best to like salvage this thing
2: dude there um, are some sequences in this where I'm like I think people got physically like they had to <laughs> physically recover from what they just did mm-hmm. in service of this movie yeah, I just I mean, bet there's sequences yeah. where I'm like, oh, man, if you had <laughs> to do more than one or two takes of that, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I really feel bad for you. But and you did it for this movie. Like, mm-hmm. well, come on.
0: Yeah. But, you know, people actors can't control the outcome of the movie they're in. You know, they work their ass off and they can only hope that what the movie is, is good.
2: You know? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm aware of that. The movie is not good.
0: Yeah. Uh, the The last thing I'll say about it is there is drugs that make you feel good in this movie, and there's a drug that makes you feel really bad. Mm. And the drug that makes you feel really bad is called Darkenflox, which is kind of the level of subtlety that I think this movie aspires to. So,
1: um, yeah, it's it's the movie where the bad drug is called Darkenflox, which is kind of what's a good drug called?
0: Uh, I I don't know, man. I need Um, some of that right now. Also,
1: there's
2: a. I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers here, Dave, but. There is a discovery that Miles Teller makes <laughs> that makes him feel like this is this is an evil organization or I'm like how do you draw that conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah there's a notation system that uh yeah that yeah, Hemsworth I, I uses yeah. where I'm like that it's a perfectly reasonable notation <laughs> system. Like, what?
0: I mean, well, oh, I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. 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 Only the the monsters file this way. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. That's Spiderhead. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Good premise. Great cast. Not a great movie overall, unfortunately. Well, Jeff, if you're looking for bottle movies that take place mostly in one location with a few characters that are play-like, have i got for one that. for you. Ooh. It's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. You heard of this movie? Oh, is this the sex movie? This is the sex movie. Yeah. This is the sex movie.
2: With with uh with um um Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, yeah. Someone who I was I've long been attracted to. I think yes. she's amazing.
0: Yes. So good luck to you, Leo Ground is streaming right now on Hulu. Uh, it debuted at Sundance. I I wanna say this past year. It could have been the year before, yeah, but I think this is past yeah. year, yeah. yeah. And um got great reviews there. Uh it's getting great reviews now. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Um I think this movie is great. it's really sweet uh, The premise of the movie uh I, I I shall reveal the premise. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say uh Emma Thompson hires a male sex worker um and that is basically the whole movie uh is uh, their interactions and and how they learn about each other and how their you know the the purchase unfolds as it were uh and it's mostly two characters in a room kind of talking about themselves and what they want and what they hope. And, uh, and there's some interesting turns in the movie, but it's mostly right. Like an exploration of what sexuality is like at that age. And particularly uh, a side of sexuality you don't usually see on screen, which is like older female sexuality. And I think it's very sensitive. It's very sweet. And overall, I, I really like this movie a lot. I'd recommend it. Um, wouldn't watch it with your mom, Jeff, um, <laughs> but I would say that it is uh worth checking out and if you want to see kind of uh Emma Thompson tackle a role that requires um you know balancing a lot of different challenging aspects like she the her character is kind of has a lot of needs but also is very uh vulnerable and is very intense. Uh I think she does a great job in here as well as mm-hmm. Daryl McCormick who
1: plays the male sex worker. So I, I have like to say, Dave, uh, you you keep ruining the Jeff watches movies with mom so, like, every <laughs> every true. time. It's
2: could true, have been a good Jeff. one. It's could to yeah. be great.
0: Jeff, definitely watch this one with your mom. Definitely lots lots to talk about, lots to discuss in the post movie conversation. So, well,
2: uh, as we record this today is my mom's birthday. Okay, so yeah, hey. could, have been a, could have been a good birthday gift.
0: Yeah, shoot her a, a link to this Hulu. Uh, uh-huh. Channel. Uh-huh. Yeah, lots to think about. So anyway, that's good luck to you, Leo Grande. It's streaming right now on Hulu, and uh, I want to mention, guys, Westworld is back, baby.
1: I don't believe this. I don't believe this is actually happening. So, Westworld. Season How long four. since season three? Two right? years. Two, Two years. years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: guys, I am ready to be hurt again. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, clearly. Me. clearly. Fool me, once. Fool me four I, times? Fool me I, three I, times. Shame on you. Fool yeah. me four times. Finally, shame on me. Um, I, I
1: kind d- of stopped watching in the middle of season three and just like completely forgot about Westworld. Like it evaporated in my mind. So that people are talking about it again just feels weird to me. It's like whiplash. Here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. I don't think Westworld is a great show. <laughs> but
0: but it is introducing ideas that most shows are not even daring with. The problem with Westworld is it's introducing all the ideas. It's introducing like 10 ideas, right? So uh, a good analogy I would describe it is like, you know that uh, Alex Garland show Devs? Love that show. On Hulu, FX Hulu, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex Garland show Devs. So um, Devs has one to two big ideas, right? One to two big ideas around like this machine that they're building and what it's capable of. And... It takes, I think six episodes to unspool that out. Like just we're gonna explore the implication of these one to two big ideas. that's the whole that's the whole show. Um Westworld will introduce approximately one to two of those size ideas per episode, basically. and the problem is that it's introducing these ideas in such a fast clip that unfortunately they can't really pay off uh, really. like season three introduced the idea of a machine that tells everyone what to do. And like tells them what their jobs are and what their station is in life is in in order for the greater good to be achieved low crime, uh eliminating world hunger, those kinds of things, right? Everyone's governed by a machine. That's a really interesting idea. that's a really interesting idea. um, if the show had just been about that for season three, maybe it would have been good um but anyway, it's introducing tons of those ideas. so the thing is, you can't fault a show, guys for being too ambitious and taking too many big swings. You know? <laughs> you just can't. You just can't. Um, I thought I was done with the show in season three, because season three is pretty rough, in my opinion. Mm. But then I looked at the download numbers for Decoding Westworld, my podcast about <laughs> Westworld, and I'm like, you know what, guys? Got to bring this thing back. <laughs> yeah. The people um, demand comment. <laughs> the yeah. people demand more recaps about Westworld. I'm only... Uh, I am being half-joking there. I'm being half-joking. Like, I also was like, you know what? Westworld season four is probably going to introduce some pretty interesting ideas and indeed after watching the first episode it does so uh, no other show looks this good no other show is introducing sci-fi ideas into the public conversation in this way no other shows has a cast that's this loaded delivering performances that are this good Um, so
2: I don't know I feel like you just described severance
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but
2: but Severance is actually like legit, like really excellent. Mm. You know, that's what I'm saying. Is you just but, but that's other, what i Severance the show is like
0: looks good as a great cast, talks about sci-fi elements. Severance is like one idea, though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like right. this one idea, and like ooh, let's like expand our understanding of this idea in concentric circles and see how it impl- you know the implications. And Westworld is like here's like five ideas we're gonna like try to tackle, and it's like it's probably gonna be a mess. But here's what I will say. Every season of Westworld has opened super strong, right? Like the the season premiere of every season has been super good and it's ended up kind of devolving and not being graded by the end. And so that's the case of season season four, episode one. Great episode. I'm ready to be heard again. I'm ready to be heard again. So that's Westworld season four. It's uh, streaming right now on HBO Max and on HBO. And I'm talking about it over on Decoding Westworld podcast with Siddhanta Dlaka. Okay. Um, Devin your hardware. I am really curious about some of the stuff you've been watching.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were pinging me over the weekend to check out the show called The Bear on Hulu. And, uh, somebody said that this is almost like a terrier situation. It, it, it is potentially a, you know, an e- excellent show that could be killed because of its bad title. And right. uh, it is certainly an excellent show. It is like on the level of terriers for me. Uh, The bear is about a a chef um, who comes from like super fine dining, like uh, Noma is is name checked in this. Um, He ends up going back home to Chicago to help run his family's uh, sandwich restaurant, like uh, beef sandwiches and stuff. Um, This show is all about the high pressure job of you know working the kitchen and uh, you know very very obsessive dining and things like that. But uh, what is amazing is just it is it it is so full of style and energy, and it's anchored by an incredible performance by Jeremy Allen White, who you may remember from uh, from Shameless. He was on Shameless like the entire run. I've always liked him as an actor, and I felt like he was maybe he was just busy with Shameless like he, he I know he's done a couple of movies and things, but not that much. And this show. Once again, makes him sweaty and dirty. And in Chicago, I believe Shameless was in Chicago, right? Um, right back there, but doing incredible work here as a character who um, it clearly has skills like far beyond like what this sandwich shop requires. But now he is in charge. He's taken over uh, He's taken over the shop because his brother passed away. And it is sort of like his duty to keep this thing going it is just incredible. Like I love um, shows about cooking and the art of uh, the things that have to happen in the kitchen, the egos, the tempers, the mad energy to like make, you know, a meal service happen. So this show fully captures that, but also it has really compelling characters. I think it's incredibly well-written. The pilot episode is just so wonderfully stylish. Like it is it is like full on energy. It feels like uh, watching like early Scorsese or something. You know, like just lots of cuts, lots of really interesting shots and camera work. Um, I think the show's fantastic. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, no, yes. it's
0: it's on my list. I was gonna h- wait to hear what you said about it, but uh, Jeff, what yeah. do you think of the bear?
2: Uh, I am. I will echo everything that Devendra said. It is. Um, it feels like uncut gems yes. in a restaurant. Yes, mm. very uh, It's much. that level of just nonstop tension dave there is nothing that looks like this show on tv it's beautiful Mm, nothing Mm. it is shot like no other show on television it's Mm -hmm. so claustrophobic and so tight and handheld and compressed you just feel like you're jammed inside the back of this kitchen that it has no space to move and Everything is is just tight and and sweaty and and it's lit like shit you know like everything all the actors look <laughs> horrible and every other show on TV you know you'll have you'll have your establishing shot you'll have your shot reverse shot everything is you know it kind of fits neatly into an edit this show all the characters are talking all the time on top of each other it is chaos and energy and it, it there's nothing like it nothing like it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is an it is an experience and the fact that it's only a half an hour long i think really benefits that because i don't it know if i be. could i could yeah. handle an hour of an episode at once you know it's just like man you just in this pressure cooker
1: you kind of have to strap in and just take in every episode but the thing is i found myself just really uh this has been a rough weekend in america everybody and a rough week in general like it's, it's starting off bad too if we're looking at a. Uh, uh, praying schools being uh, accepted now. Apparently, um, this has been a rough week. I found myself uh, with my wife. Uh, we we've had just enough time to like blaze through this entire show. We have like one episode left. So, if it's just one season, I think it's worth just jumping in because the the sheer like amount of talent and energy in this thing is is like nothing else. And uh, you know what? It has Matty Matheson, Ma- Matt sin in it, and uh, tons of people show
2: up in this. I mean, tons Oliver of people, Platt and. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's so many people just show up. It's like, oh wow, it's that great. person's in this. That's um, great. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to say about this is, I, you know, I've mentioned a, a few times uh, in the history of our show uh, that uh, I think several of us share this quality. But I, uh, one of my first jobs in high school was working at a movie theater, mm. and when I got that job, I, I had already had a, a couple of jobs before, but when I got that job, it felt like a a privilege. Like I was like, I got to work at a movie theater. It felt like this incredible opportunity. It felt like this thing that I, that I got accepted into this elite club. And what, I mean, I know I sound like an old, old man talking about work ethic, but when I was working there, I remember everybody treated it like that and like cleaning the popper, the the, the popcorn machine was like, if you clean the popper, I mean, we literally had managers coming over with gloves on, like wiping their finger to see if any grease at the end of the uh-huh. night, every single night, right? It, it was it was this incredible, almost passion to, to do things well, to do things right at, at a freaking movie theater. Like who cares? But we did, we cared. And The Bear is kind of about that. It's about work ethic. It's about commitment to excellence. It's about doing things the right way inside a, a, a circumstance where that is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I don't know another show that's kind of about that. And I, I really appreciated that about this show. It it is, you know, again, it, it does sound like we've had this conversation before and I do sound like an old man get off my lawn of like, well, kids these days don't have work ethic, which, you know, isn't entirely true, but it does, it, it does feel like this wonderful exploration of that notion of, mm-hmm. of hey, if, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing at the highest level. It's mm-hmm. worth doing well. For and sure, for sure. It's a, it's a really cool aspect of the show that you just don't see in other media.
1: But it also dives into, like, I think, the toxicity of that, too, like the, mm, the yeah. demand from the people up higher up to, to require certain levels of that or them not uh, making sure that you are being treated right or the culture that they've created, you know, just has made a toxic soup of egos going on. Like the, the show kind of explores all that. It reminds me a bit of uh, maybe Sports Night or something, which I'll, I'll bring up for another thing later. But, you know, high pressure work shows. ER. It's very much ER in the kitchen. You know, and uh, but ER compressed down even more and more focused. So, yeah, this show is fantastic. Also, shout out to Ayo Itabiri, who is amazing. She's a sort of like young protege of Jeremy Ellen White's character who comes in and uh, they both basically have to contend against the old timers who've been there forever and have a specific way of doing things. And they, they all really push against doing anything differently. I think you'll love this show, Dave. And I think anybody who's listened to our suggestions before will fully be on it. This is one of the best shows of the year, for sure. Okay. I
0: am definitely 100% going to watch it this week. And I will talk about it the next time we do a we've been watching segment, which okay. will not be next week, probably, but the week after. So you have my uh, attention and curiosity, gents. Uh, that's The Bear, and it's streaming right now on Hulu. And that is, in fact, a terrible title. Um, it is, it is indeed
2: It is indeed a terrible A, a bear
1: pilot. shows up in the dream sequence early on, and that is, uh, unless you're going for the bears, like a, the bears reference or something, that yeah. n- no kids or youngins will re- remember, you know? I, I don't it's, know.
2: It's terrible. I
1: it's will a, say uh, this. If you guys are looking for a
0: show that is similar in theme but completely different in style. There is this movie called Boiling Point.
1: Yeah, that I it is recommend. very much. Uh, I've not seen it yet, but everything yeah. I've heard about Boiling Point. Is, yeah, it's, it's, but it's Boiling Point is done in one long continuous shot. Yes. So it's like the opposite in, watch in terms that. of what yeah. you're describing. It's yeah. like the stuff I've, you know, when you watch the Bourdain stuff from him back in the kitchen days or him just in a normal kitchen, like it is that sort of like crazy, uh, just hyperactive atmosphere of people doing a ton of work to produce food. The stuff you never get to see, but it is, it is addictive to watch.
0: All right, Devendra. Hard- so that's the bear on who, uh-huh. Devinder, What else have you been watching?
1: I also want to bring up Irma Vep, a show that I I cannot believe this show even exists. Right. So Irma Vep was yes. a like '90s, you know, indie French film. By Olivier Assayas, uh, I saw it like decade. I saw it like at least over ten years ago, uh, starring Maggie Chung as somebody who goes to France to work on like a modern a '90s remake of Les Vampires, Les Vampires. Um This show is a adaptation, like it is a reimagining of that original movie of uh, Alicia Vikander going to France to. Star in a adaptation of *Lay Vampire*, but also it's about a director who initially, uh, who also had previously adapted it in the '90s. Keep up (laughs) with me, guys. Now Olivier Assayas was married to Maggie Chung, so like that, that like for for a big chunk there. Um, So I feel like that energy was always there in the original movie. Uh, Now it's about a guy who was also married to, I think, a, a Chinese woman at the time, and who specifically like wanted to go far away from that for his remake. Of Irma Vep, I'm I'm very confused. This show, <laughs> it it is about it is the behind the scenes work of producing a movie, basically mm. or making a remake. It is I brought up Sports Night before. Uh, this is very much Sports Night of uh you know movie production. So it is very much a dramedy. It is funny. It is serious at times. It's very silly, but it's also very real in terms of uh seeing all the work that goes into producing a movie or something like the the artwork uh that is involved. In creating any art form. Like it is all about the behind-the-scenes magic of making movies. So I think you, Jeff, will really enjoy this.
2: Um so intrigued. I had no idea that's what it was. It's about. really cool. It's yeah. a, like
1: first of all, again, weird title, but I think uh for the for the 90s art movie, it didn't really matter much. Like you could call it whatever you want. Um, I love Olivier Assayus. I I think like his his movies like just really reflect a really interesting energy and characters, and I love his style. So to see him do a full TV show of his, you know, one of his original ideas, this, this show is just so much fun to watch. And I think Alicia Vikander is a, uh, she's just like a wonderful ball of energy in this. Like she is uh, an Amer- she's playing an American movie star who's kind of just like over it, over being a star. Over being in like uh, Marvel esque movies, and she wants to do this cool artistic reimagining of something she really liked. It's just a really interesting meditation on you know making movies, creating art, um, adding value to stories that have already been told. I think Alicia Vikander is also just absolutely magnetic in the show, which is what you want, right? It is all about the character who's playing Irma Vep. Uh, you want her to be. You can't really take your eyes off of her. Like she is just so interesting in commanding her presence on the screen. I think she does that both in the movie they're making in this uh, show, but also in the show itself. So she is fantastic. It is a lot of fun. So if you're nerds like us who just, you know, care about uh, hearing how movies are made or want to see some behind the scenes action, I think uh, this show is worth a watch. It's our Mavep on HBO and also the original movies on HBO Max now, too. Do you think the original is necessary in any way? I mean, it's uh, not really, but you know what? It is kind of a classic. Like, people mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. It is, and it's not even, like, 90 minutes long. It is very, maybe a little over 90 minutes. It's very short. I actually just rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. So it's very short, still really funny. Um, but I think this show does a better job of that initial concept because it's, it is it is a great uh, platform to launch a whole series on, whereas the original movie always felt a little, uh, a little short, right? A little, it didn't go as deeply as I would have liked but they both cover very similar territory so yeah check out the show you can always watch the movie later
0: it's interesting you mentioned the point about uh, being tired of doing marvel films and stuff alicia mm-hmm. vikander uh, has done some you know big budget blockbusters like yeah. she's Laura uh, Croft. she still is lorecroft but yeah. but i think like if you look at her uh, her filmography it's really interesting like she's taking some really interesting choices, making really interesting choices, you know, um she had a man from Uncle and she did Tomb Raider and stuff like that, but she's also mm-hmm. doing movies like Green Knight, mm-hmm. Blue Bayou, and she was um, also
1: really fun in a man from uncle too right she wasn't right? just yeah, a yeah a, a, yeah, a bomb I think lady. she's
0: enormously talented, but also mm-hmm. I think that like yeah um I think when you look at her career, it's like she she is making the interesting choices already so mm-hmm. um, i don't I wouldn't describe her as like the person you know who is mm-hmm. like um. Uh, she, she's not the character she's playing exactly, in exactly, yeah. exactly. But it's, it's an interesting look at that kind of character. It sounds like so. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very intrigued by this. Uh, I'm planning to check it out at some point. Um, but it's Irma Vep
1: streaming right now on HBO. Mm-hmm. Wonderful vibes. I also wanted to just quickly shout out a uh, a little Star Wars show. I know. Yeah. Some so of us you finished Obi One,
0: right? Yeah. So so the question is, Dvinger, you were the most positive on this when we we talked about Obi wan And so I'm curious, now that you've reached the end of the journey, Mm -hmm.
1: um, what did you think of Obi-Wan? Was it worth the journey? I think um, maybe it didn't need to be, what is it, six episodes? It it didn't need to be as long as it was. I heard several people saying it was like a a good movie stretched out into six episodes. It is. It it is very much a good movie stretched out. And you can kind of feel that at times. But uh, the finale is, is some good shit. Like if you if you want some good lightsaber shit if you wanna if you've imagined like what a potential uh in between showdown between uh perhaps a Vader and perhaps an Obi Wan may have looked like and actually make it meaningful and do something interesting with those characters uh, I'm not talking to anybody in particular on the show um, <laughs> I think it is a it is a really compelling and really interesting uh character study to to kind of do those things and also the action is is pretty good at least for that thing and also i mean we we know he's in the show uh it is really interesting for oh, wait, me hold on to see. i don't th- yeah. i don't know if jeff knows so I, Je- I know. oh come you're, on yeah, I know. you're jeff doesn't does, know so he's been, no, I so know. that's, I, that's I know. star wars but, event. Yeah. I know. that's fine, that's fine. I
0: know so jeff show. why don't you take off the headphones but davindra <laughs> If no, if I you know want to he's give it a show, Dave? He, he's he's in, in the show. show. Um, oh. It
1: is really interesting to see Hayden Christensen kind of come back. And oh, that, that's play. not who I thought you were going to say. But okay, go, yep, I, do, I don't know who you were. Now okay. who were you thinking? Um, <laughs> no, right. okay, did go you go know, know? Ewan McGregor was in the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sun Kang is in the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, it's really yeah. interesting to see Hayden Christensen kind of come back and. Do the bits of uh, you know Vader that he didn't get to do because uh, that's all the story that happened in in between uh, Revenge of the Sith and the New Hope. There is some interesting stuff there, and I kind of like that. And Hayden Christensen, uh, taken away from George Lucas's dialogue, can be a really really interesting screen presence. So mm. I think there's some good stuff here. I think it's worth watching. If this stuff feels anathema to your childhood and your belief and uh, you know <laughs> the way you consume Star Wars, then don't you don't have to watch it. It's fine. No. No. It doesn't matter. But yeah. uh, I think for people who want to see, you know, just something really like, uh, there's always been an interesting narrative gap. Uh, this show, I think, does a good job of exploring it. Certainly more than uh, the Boba Fett show. Yeah. Uh, well, that's Obi Wan. It's streaming right now on Disney
0: Plus. Jeff, uh, are you planning to continue this? What's your What is your relationship no. to the show right now? You, no. could, you could go
1: straight to the to the finale. If Should you I just
2: watch the finale? Just, just watch, watch the it? finale. Yeah. I would also Maybe say
1: for Boba Fett. Watch the finale, Jeff. For the love of God, watch the finale. It may be the last couple episodes,
2: but yeah. All right. Yep. I don't know. All right. I kind of feel like, uh, I mean, I'm hoping there's a a Star Wars trilogy that just sort of tries new things and, and it lets you be the We're all hoping for that. We're all hoping for that. That would be yeah. wonderful. Uh, I'm not going to say Star Wars isn't for me anymore. I still love Star <laughs> Wars, but it just, it doesn't feel like, uh, I just, I don't have a lot of desire to, yeah, that's fine. to do it. Yeah, that's
0: fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's what Davinder Harder has been watching. Jeff, we've already talked about the bear and Spiderhead, which you've been watching. You've been watching anything else this week?
2: Yeah, you know. Before I get to the, this other thing, I just want to shout out one more time: Players on Paramount Plus.
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's really it's really good. enjoyable. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. So good. I'm watching I, with my wife. She is so stressed out at the wait between weeks now. Like, yeah, because it's well, being dude. it's
2: being released week to week,
0: right? So uh, yeah,
2: episode five just dropped, and or that's the most recent one as of this recording. Yeah, and there is a kind of a cliffhanger ending that I was like,
0: no, yeah, I don't want to wait. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, it's it's re- yeah it's yeah
2: it's, it's re- I, like <laughs> I can't believe how good the show is yeah. about about a, a topic that. I mean, again, for people that didn't hear last week, it's it's about uh, esports, basically. Yeah, League uh, of Legends, League of Legends yeah. esports use a lot of actual names and and individuals in that scene. Um, that is just a topic that gets fumbled by every every show, every way of, of, of dramatizing that world. Even even the larger world of sort of video game culture, it just has never been done well narratively I've never seen a show get it and this show is so good it's so good it's funny when it wants to be it's dramatic it's interesting the characters are I care about all of them yeah it, it, I, it's
0: and shout out to Misha Brooks who plays cream cheese on the show like yeah that is so really good. hard what that character is doing yes. at, you know like the, the performance is like he is one of the most annoying people you've ever seen on screen but you have to sympathize with him yes that's hard to do
2: it, it is extremely hard to do, and it feels authentic. It doesn't ever feel like a performance. It feels like they're capturing real moments. Yeah. And the other thing that the show does, because it is ostensibly a uh, a, a, a documentary, right? It, it is a, a, trying to create the sense that you are watching a documentary about these people. One of the things it does that is very much a trope of documentaries is that it will show you a piece of video, and then it will go back and sort of show that piece of video in slow motion and See uh, like oh the look in his eyes we all knew it's mm-hmm. like that actor had to perform that <laughs>
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: you know it, it's it's an amazing thing to be able to go back and look at something again frame by frame and get a reading of it that feels authentic it's just yeah and, and there's so, a there's a there's a sequence about taco bell <laughs> in episode four that is i think legit genius it is mm-hmm. so brilliantly executed great show That's players
0: players on paramount plus all right jeff what else what else you been watching this
2: week uh one more show i uh i dipped into it's the new alan wang show uh, mm. it's called loot
0: alan yang I excuse think me i said wang didn't i yeah yeah alan yeah. Yang. Yeah. pardon
2: me uh that is because i watched <laughs> i watched the stand-up comedian phil wang i think it seems phil wang i also watched that this week he's very good okay uh, <laughs> That's um, why I made that that substitution. I apologize for everyone involved. No I apologize so, to everyone involved. Uh, Alan Yang, <laughs> have you seen the stand-up comedian Phil Yang? He's great. I think it's Phil. I think it's Phil. I,
0: I don't think there is a Phil Wang that you know. Anyway, it's okay. It's, we'll we'll figure out who you meant to say. Anyway, uh oh yeah yeah you know you're right. What, what's the name of this Phil, Phil Wang thing?
2: It's called Philly Philly Wang Wang.
0: I think. Is that true?
2: I'm pretty yes. sure. Okay,
0: that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: Was that good? Very. Okay. Yes. He's great, gotcha. but it's old, and I wasn't going to talk about it because it's old, but I did watch it this week. Gotcha. Uh, okay, cool. Cool. Um, uh, all right, so. Yeah, it would have been funny if you <laughs> if you still thought I was wrong, and then you were like, what's it called? And I was like, Philly Philly Wang, wang. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then that was not correct. That would have been pretty rough, Joe. But that
2: is correct. That is, correct, yeah, that is
0: correct. That is correct. You nailed it. You nailed it. So,
2: um, <laughs> it would have been much funnier you, though if you continued to think I was you wrong. You barely
0: avoided disaster just now. I'm no,
2: I don't think I did. I think I stepped right in disaster. Anyway, so, Alan Yang Root
0: on Apple TV Plus. Alan Root. Yang,
2: who is yes. a, a creator that I think we all, uh, yes, uh, like, um, has a new show called Loot starring Maya Rudolph, another, uh, another person that I am very fond of and, and she's always great in everything. So I immediately checked out Loot. Uh, this is a show whose premise is as follows. Uh, there is a big tech billionaire pra- played uh, briefly by Adam Scott, uh, who is married to Maya Rudolph, has been married for a long time, uh, and uh, cheats on her. They have a divorce, and so she gets $87 billion in a divorce settlement. hmm And then... Uh, Basically discovers that she has a charitable foundation and decides that her life is going to have some meaning now by engaging with the charitable foundation. So it is a fish out of water story of a woman who has never had to want for anything, is uh overwhelmingly wealthy, uh dealing with people who work for basically a nonprofit. Um, and Ron Funches is in this. I like Ron Funches a lot as a stand-up. Um there's some jokes about the sh- in, in, in the show that work. Uh, there were some moments that I laughed about, but this show is very broad. It is, um, it is, it, it's very much a sitcom sitcom. It, it is very much a fish out of water. Like, oh, the lady doesn't know that she shouldn't bring a fleet of SUVs to the meeting about the battered women's shelter, right? Like that's, that's the humor. That's the the stuff we're talking about is, how little she understands that she is obscenely wealthy. And, you know, it's got some stuff to say about uh, wealth inequality, and, uh, you know, I guess obliquely, but it's really there to make some, some jokes, and the jokes are fine, but I wouldn't say the show is a home run for me, despite all of the talent that I really like that's involved.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Also, so I, uh, I hope the Mackenzie Scott, uh, I hope she gets some sort of credit for this show. For the very basic concept of the show, I guess. Uh, why is that, Devendra? Because she was married to a billionaire and is now <laughs> has billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a concept of the show. Oh yeah. Have yeah, you yeah. heard of Jeff Bezos? Sorry,
0: hey. sorry, <laughs> sorry. For some reason, I thought you were referring to Mackenzie Davis, and I was like, the woman <laughs> on <from> Station Eleven. <laughs> but no, Mackenzie Mackenzie's that Philly is. Philly
2: Wang Wang Dave. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Yeah, yes, I know who Mackenzie Scott is. She used to be married to my boss.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, used to be.
0: So
1: yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Anyway, anyway, the show uh, was about her life. If, if only
2: someone would. If only something <laughs> good would happen to her. You know. Yeah. I mean.
1: Well, that's
0: loot uh, on Apple TV Plus. It sounds like Jeff, you enjoyed it, but it wasn't like a complete home run for you.
2: Yeah, it's fine. It's I, I don't think it's a rush out and see kind of show. I didn't watch the whole season. I only watched three episodes, and I was like, ah, eh, you know, like that's enough. It's always fun to watch uh, Maya Rudolph work. I think she's yeah. she's mm-hmm. so talented mm-hmm. and so so charming. And it's also nice. I think this is another like like hacks in the in the sort of um, shows uh, where women are cast at the, as their actual age, which is nice, mm-hmm. and, and and played as protagonists as, as their actual age, which is nice to see but i just didn't think that there's uh, enough meat on this bone uh, for me personally to get a lot out of it
0: got it well that's loot on apple tv plus that is what we've been watching let's get to some weekly plugs just a weekly plugs weekly plug a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making i have a i have a tough sell for y'all um I'm i read ready. a book uh, called Sandy Hook, uh, an American tragedy and the battle for truth. You lost me. It's it's an incredible. It's an incredible. <laughs> I, book. I don't want to think about
1: that right yeah. now. But okay, I understand. Yeah. I, understand. Yeah. Yeah. I understand.
0: I understand. Um, yeah. But as
1: somebody who takes my child to daycare slash school every day, it's like, oh, what 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 am I just allowing my child to walk into? I'm sure you feel similarly, Jeff. Yeah. I do
2: indeed.
0: Yeah, uh, I completely understand anyone who doesn't have the stomach for this, uh, but. It's an incredible book. It's it's a great act of journalism, because what this woman did, Elizabeth Williamson, the author, is she obviously covered the events of Sandy Hook, but she also covered like the misinformation campaign that happened afterwards. And you realize what a distinct hellscape America is, right? Where not only can kids be shot up at school, but then the parents who suffer through that can then spend the next several decades fighting off crazy people basically who think that the shooting did not happen and like will accuse the parents of fabricating it and so on. And it, it feels like only in America could something that fucked up happen. Um and I think it's important to look at it and to look it in the face and it'll be like okay this is this is what is happening in this country. Um because I think it's important to understand these things so that we can make sure they don't happen again. But Uh, the book is called Sandy Hook and I interviewed the author Elizabeth Williamson for my podcast Culturally Relevant and I also completely understand if no one listens to this episode because it's such a dark topic but I also think it's an incredibly valuable book that if you feel up for it is worth checking out so that is my weekly plug Um, Divinger Hardwar give us a weekly plug won't you
1: yeah I'd love to read that book someday someday I'll be up to it someday Uh... in the future I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. We talked about the new MacBook Pro 13-inch, which has the M2 chip uh, that Apple just announced. And this computer is really weird because it's basically the same old case Apple's been using since 2016. Uh, and actually got worse last year or in 2020 with the M1. So go check out my review. Check out our podcast episode on that and why a lot of us are just baffled by this computer, right? It's perfectly fine, but the new MacBook Air, which is cheaper and supposed to be, is supposed to be more entry-level is better in many many ways and we're just weirded out by that have you
0: seen these uh, ssd issues Devinger, with the new macbook pro like uh, uh it's i've like not a slower... seen
1: issues uh, i got no, not issues I mean, but it is yeah. like
0: a slower the ssd mm-hmm. read and write speeds are apparently slower with the m2 than with the m1 so it depends on which one you get yeah apparently. the 512 i think is like yeah. okay but like other than that it's not I, so. I got the one terabyte to review and that one was oh, nice. fast so nice. I, I didn't mm. directly
1: compare but it sucks. Hey, it, it turns out they made this computer even worse. Like it's, it's even worse <laughs> than I was saying in my review. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, maybe maybe I was being too hard on it. No, I, nobody, no, no, don't buy weren't. this computer. No. Yeah. That's
0: Vinger's review of the Apple MacBook Pro with M2 chip. Uh, I, I love my M1 MacBook Pro, and I think it's a, it's a great series of devices. Kind of mm-hmm. bummed that they took a step back with this one. Jeff Kanata, your weekly
2: plug? I want to tell you about my video game podcast. It's called DLC. You can find it at 5x5.tv slash DLC. I think the last uh, couple of episodes have been particularly good. Uh, we had Brendan Bigley on uh, two weeks ago uh, talking about uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, Shredder's Revenge, and, and lots of other stuff. Uh, and then this, this most recent episode, uh, Chris Bergman, uh, who is a uh, game designer uh producer uh talking about neon white which is a a real sleeper hit that just came out
1: so good so So freaking good yeah Uh,
2: it's it's really a a clever interesting cool game
1: i I was a 90s anime kid and this game was made specifically (laughs) for me oh like even even steve bloom is the main voice so yeah yeah
2: love it i love that you're loving it um but also, um, even more than that, uh, the DLC podcast has a uh, a Patreon, a lot like the film cast, and we also do a bonus show. We call it Paid DLC. Um, it's basically our version of the After Dark. And we just added a third chair, a third participant, uh, the lovely and wonderful Lana Bashinsky, who is so funny, so awesome. Uh, She has been a frequent guest on the main show. And now she'll be joining us uh, almost every episode of the uh, bonus show. And this most recent episode is, I think, one of our best. Uh, And it really isn't about anything. We we start talking about uh, how, you know, I said something on on an episode of DLC. And then somebody was like, hey, that thing you said, uh, here's an episode of the Totally Rad Show where the exact opposite is true. And, uh, And it turns out that happens to me a lot. Where 15 years ago, I said something on a podcast, and I don't remember saying it. Uh, very yeah, funny.
0: It's it's like a very unsettling feeling, because you were like watching this video of yourself mm-hmm. talking about this thing, and you have no memory of it, right? Yes.
2: I, I basically said, hey, I never played this video game. And somebody <laughs> said, here's a video of you, of you reviewing <laughs> that game. You yeah. reviewed it, which means you played the whole thing.
0: Uh, you're, you're you like know. you're like in severance watching the video of your audi yeah, talking yeah, to your you're like innie, innie. you any know? i don't remember making this video core. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah uh anyway but <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's a it, it's a wonderful jumping off point for a very funny conversation so you know uh check it out if, if you're into that stuff and if you like kind of our after darks. Uh, i think it's a, a similar vibe with very fun people uh and uh video game reviews uh in the main show so check it out five by five dot slash dlc
0: Quick plugs for this podcast. Of course, you can always support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Uh, we review old things, different things on the After Dark, but we also uh, talk about your emails and messages. Uh, that makes up a lot of what we discuss. We just hang out. It's usually a good time. We've put some of sample episodes on the main feed, so check those out if you want to get a taste but patreon.com slash film podcast of course we never want anyone to support us if it is in any way a financial hardship but it's very easy to support us for free all you got to do is leave a review or a star rating for us at Apple Podcasts or leave a star rating uh, on whatever uh, platform you listen to podcasts we would greatly appreciate it All right, I think that is it for our weekly plugs let's get to our review of the Black Phone
3: I'll be home in the morning where are you going? I'm staying
2: over at Susie's tonight. What's new? The flyer. The papers call him the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you, and he doesn't really take kids that safe. Oh! (laughs) You goof. (laughs) Well, isn't that just peachy keen? You need some help? You see that? (laughs) Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. (laughs) I am a part-time magician. Are those black balloons enough? Would you like to see a magic trick?
0: That was from the trailer for The Black Phone, the newest film from director Scott Derrickson. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a boy starts receiving calls on a phone from the killer's previous victims. End quote. Awesome premise for a movie, I think. Um, I do want to call out, before we get into everything, uh, I have worked and podcasted with C. Robert Cargill before. I consider him a friend, and he is a co-writer and producer on this movie. So, full disclosure. All that said, Devinder Hardwar, I'm really curious what your overall thoughts were on The Black Phone.
1: Sure. Uh, I I like Scott Derrickson a lot. I I like his work, and I like his work with Cargill. Um, Sinister is a movie that lives within me, right? Like the Mm. the videotapes and the footage from that movie and the concept are just so hardcore that uh, I I will never be able to forget them. And I think this movie is, is just as successful. I can always count on him to go really hard when I don't really expect him to. This is a really brutal film in more ways than one, you know, like it um, there's child abuse early on this film that is, a really really hard scene to watch right now mm-hmm. um and also like it, it is very violent like it, it is about like the the sort of like crazy uh lawless world kids live in where they're bullied and like especially back was this the 70s like back in this time uh people didn't really protect you from bullies like kicking your ass really hard too so like this sh- this movie goes all sorts of places but i i really loved it i think it starts off a little rough because uh, some of the early child actors not not so good or at least it t- mm-hmm. it takes them a while to get up to it or whatever it takes they took um aren't very strong what did you
0: think, think of uh what did
1: you think of the main child uh mason thames who plays main child. good I, I think he's good yeah. i think his sister early on little rough like it it seems like especially early on where the kids had to talk more a lot of them were having trouble with uh with like the script and just like trying to sound like kids as the way the script put them so i i it just felt a little grating a little forced early on but once this movie gets going and once like you know what's happening i thought it was fantastic like a perfect thriller I saw it uh, really late over the weekend at like a nine 30 showing. There was only like maybe four or five people in the theater with me, but it's one of those horror movies where even they were reacting loudly to it. Mm. And it felt really good to have a crowd to watch this movie with because, um, there are some good jumps. There's some good jump scares or some good surprises and twists. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really cathartic sort of movie too. um, I found this movie to be a ton of fun. I cannot wait to watch it with my wife because she really likes horror movies like this as well. Um, you know, uh, the only thing is like, it, it does go harder than you expect, especially when it comes to violence against kids. But man, man, is it good. And uh, the the kids like so-so, I think there there's the one kid who uh, who ro- who plays Robin, who's like really good at martial arts and just like wails on some kid early on. Even he <laughs> was having some trouble with dialogue. But man, is, uh, is Ethan Hawke, Great in this movie is just being super, super creepy and super disturbing. And uh, basically, the guy. Whenever I'm at a playground, I'm like, "You do the parent scan. You're like, okay, any weirdos around? <laughs> Anybody What's going wearing on here? a demon mask? <laughs> <laughs> any any demon mask? <laughs> any black balloons? But no, there is actually a thing. Especially down here, a lot of playgrounds aren't like really well populated, right? Sometimes it's just like you and your kid playing on a thing." And there's been a thing, news reports from people and posts I see a next door of just like, you know, sometimes a car will just like pull up next to you in a completely empty parking lot and just sit there, you know, while you're playing with your kids. It just is this, it's a really creepy thing that happens in real life. Thankfully, I haven't heard like too many real actual bad things happening. But a lot of parents like you're out there with your kid. You have to be aware of shit like this. I think this movie um, just really triggered a lot of those senses in me. Also, in a time where apparently the cops did nothing, you know, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about spoilers in this movie. But it is is kind of hilarious how
2: hard to imagine cops cops doing anything, not doing anything, but also not being like,
1: hey, kids, (laughs) don't go outside by yourself. After 8 p.m., or something, like it, it is kind of hilarious like how badly uh, the kids and the parents do in terms of protecting the kids, uh, or how badly the cops and the parents are when it comes to protecting the kids. We'll talk about that in spoilers, but I, I love this movie. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, black phone thoughts?
2: Well, Dave, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh huh, my black phone thoughts are best summed up <laughs> in the form of a limerick. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The setup creates some suspense, and a few scenes did make me feel tense, but there's not enough here to elicit real fear, and this movie just doesn't make sense. Mm.
0: I'm sorry to hear that, Jeff. This
2: one, uh, this one is it, it, it hurts a little bit because I also have a, a great fondness for C. Robert Cargill. Uh, I, I, like, I like the person, uh, and I'm a fan of his work. Uh, so it, it, it brings me no joy to, uh, say that I, I, this movie did not work for me at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I feel like I am, I watched a different movie than everybody else. Cause I have seen such praise for this hearing DaVinci <laughs> talk. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. so many tweets of people like, this is amazing. This is amazing. I went into this totally ready to love it. And who did I not? Uh, I, I just don't think it. There's enough there. It it there's so much unexplained and unexplored and it, 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 it convenient. I mean, we'll get into it in in spoilers, but I feel like this is Deus Ex Machina of the movie. Um,
1: sure, I mean th- that's the premise of the story, right? right? So if you don't buy it, then nothing will work. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I guess I just there wasn't enough there for me to buy it. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I wish I I wish I loved it. I mean, I. Um, I grew up in my you know early teens re- reading the entire Stephen King oeuvre at that point like voraciously reading I remember I remember in my parents house on the couch,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: lining up the books that I was going to read and just trying to decide which order I was going to read them in. Cause I was I, in the I, middle so of jealous. one. Yeah. Like, I was so excited about the next one. I was like, Ooh, that's what I was to be. And I would go to this used bookstore and buy these paperback copies of Stephen King books. And just, I was loved them. And of course, you know, this movie is based on a short story by Joe Hill, who is mm-hmm. Stephen King's son. And it does I mean, I, I like Joe Hill. I, 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 very much like lock and key and, and, and a lot of his work as well. Uh, but this does feel like Stephen King once removed a bit, you know, it, it feels like a mashup between it and the shining, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it's got that Stephen King thing where, you know, there's supernatural stuff, but that's like, not really the, what the story's about, you know, how in, in the shining, like also a kid has psychic powers, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not really the story, but also that's happening. That's, that's kind of how supernatural works here mm-hmm. as well, where it's like, yeah. And also there's this layer of supernatural. And I dig that. I, I, I tend to like all that stuff, but boy, it just, none of it worked at all for me. And, and I mm-hmm. guess to explain specifically why we'll have to get to spoilers, but yeah, it it, it gives me no pleasure to say that I, and it, not just because it's a horror movie, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Folks in our Slack who's like, oh, horror movie Jeff's not gonna like it. I like plenty of horror movies. It's not, I, I, I I'm <laughs> bummed that that has become the meme. I, I, I don't. There are a lot of horror movies I enjoy, and as I said, I loved Stephen King growing up, and and I sp- specifically love the kinds of horror that Stephen King would do, which is basically an adventure story with some scary supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And, which kind of this movie I think kind of tries to be, especially uh, toward the end, but it, it just it just did not work for me at all.
1: It's kind of like Saw with kids, to be, to be <laughs> honest. But I also <laughs> wanted to point out, like speaking of Stephen King, there's a lot of Doctor Sleep here in terms of somebody mm-hmm. who's preying on talented kids. Like I, I think that was like a th- running yeah. theme we kind of saw throughout this movie too. And I, I think loved Doctor Sleep. You like Doctor Sleep? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I yeah. think you like yeah. Doctor Sleep. Oh, I, I that think movie's awesome. It. It's a
0: yeah. pretty yeah. awesome movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um i like this movie it really it really worked for me i think the premise is awesome i think it's an awesome pre- do you agree that it's an awesome premise jeff or are you like not even with it at that level uh
1: i, I mean yeah. there are no rules to it so
2: i can see there's no rules it bothers yeah. me I, yeah. but but i mean it's basically just i see dead people different right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's you know yeah. I, I, and a bit
0: but, of
1: signs in here too yeah yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I just think it's like an awesome premise. And I think that like uh the uh from a script level, it's very workmanlike. It's it's very like we're setting up all these things and at the end we're gonna pay pretty much all of them off. Um there's several sequences that are super tense. Mm-hmm. Um there's some really effective imagery. It basically delivers everything I want from a relatively low budget horror film. And the movie costs around 18 million dollars. It's already made more than that in its opening weekend. I think that. Uh, yeah, it, it just was effective for me. And I think to dive into exactly why we should talk about some of the spoilers. But uh, you, you guys already mentioned Ethan Hawke. He gives most of his performance from behind a mask. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say things like, well, why would you waste Ethan Hawke like that? I actually think it's a more formidable ch- Like, I, I am interested in... In a an actor who can give an effective performance from behind a mask, right? For sure. it's hard and the, what do. he does with his right.
1: voice and his yes. intonations, like just yeah. that whole that bit we hear in the trailer of him pretending to be like the magician, like it just, oof, yeah. Horrifying. And I think like the child actors here are actually really good. I,
0: specifically, the two main ones, Mason, Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw. I actually think they do both do a great job. Um, the movie has some tonal weirdness.
1: It's all over the place.
0: That I think is weird. Like, towards the end of the movie, there's, like, some stuff that's just, like, goofy. That I'm like, oh, it feels (laughs) kind of weird to have that in this movie that's about child murder. Um, But some good jump scares, some good scary, creepy imagery, uh, some great performances, a cool premise. Like, it's basically what I want in a a horror film like this. So, I really enjoyed it. But why don't we dive into spoilers? Um, So, let's get to spoilers for The Black Phone, starting right now.
2: The secret. Can to see
3: this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out.
2: Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret.
3: You want to be fooled.
0: All right, spoilers for the Black Phone. So, Jeff Kanata, what are some of your beefs with this from a logic perspective?
2: I mean, I. I just fundamentally don't understand the grabber <laughs> character. Like what, yeah. what is, what's the, what's the goal? What's the point? Why does he keep the kid alive that long at all? Why, why, why is there a black phone in the basement? Like what, what it, it, just at a, on a fundamental level of, Hey, I'm going to keep the kids in the basement. I'm going to think this through enough that I'm going to strip everything out of that room and try to make it mm-hmm. uh, impossible for them to, to escape. Why leave a phone there? doesn't but make the phone, any the phone damn doesn't sense. do anything.
1: It's a disconnected phone. So but, it's like it's wh- hard. But he
2: took everything else out of the room, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know that his his like logical <laughs> rational thinking skills are that strong. I mean, but the, I think, he clearly well, I'm he not talking he, to... he created this like pr- child proof like a thing that kids can't escape from. Like there's a lot of thought that went into that room. So I hear what you're saying, Jeff, but it's also like you know, you're done. It's the end of a renovation. You're just like <laughs> phone's in the you're, wall. You're leaving the
0: carpet there
1: on yeah. the side. You know, like, like fuck it. But yes, but
0: yeah. yes, you have to be willing to buy that he. Uh, so in terms of the why, I think the saw comparison is very apt to mm-hmm. figure out, right? Like he wants to toy with these children. Yeah, right? he wants to play with them. Give him a glimmer uh, of hope too. Exactly. So, that's before, so like he's obviously a very sick mind, and and that's kind of what his game is. Um, I will agree with you that this for this movie to work, it depends on the grabber being incompetent in very specific ways, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Like, leaving the child unattended, not checking the state of, like, the toilet in that room and everything like that, you know, like... Yeah. He has to just, D-
1: don't like, leave not the check. toilet lids on. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you yeah, watched yeah. any movie? Uh, well, yeah.
2: And, and at one point, you know, he removes the bars from the window, and at no point does the grabber even notice that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, he has other things on his mind. though. The grabber is busy, dude. He's he's yeah. running a magician business. He's dealing with his brother and everything. Right. He's got other things on his mind. Okay. Yeah. I busy mean, man. Uh,
2: th- so fundamentally, the the big reveal that it was two houses instead of one mm-hmm. feels very clever. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the short story, I was, I
0: was watching. I was like, are they going to pull a Jonathan Demme Silence of the Lambs? Right. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, where, where it's like
0: yeah. they're going into the house, but it's actually a different house than the one you're looking at. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: I and, thought and it, it was also clever, gives him, but it, i don't I don't yeah. think it I don't think it paid I, I, it didn't feel like this amazing moment to me
0: it I think it is the it is a way for the script to have its cake and eat it too in the following sense because you have this sister character who's like dealing with these supernatural uh visions and then you have this kid who like is getting these calls from the other dead kids which I assume is also because he is supernaturally attuned, right? Like like his sister? I don't know. I, th- um, I think or,
1: they, they kind
2: of... Or mentioned... is it like if he
0: had no skills, he would also be getting the calls, right? If he had no uh, supernatural yeah, yeah, abilities. I,
2: I, yeah. I, I interpret mm-hmm. it as the former, that the, mm-hmm. the two of them sort mm-hmm. of have some shining
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't i don't know like they, the they mentioned uh because it's the phone ringing right and everybody can hear the phone rings they see well, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. the grabber can ring. apparently hear A it too. vibration
2: right? causes yeah. it yeah. but he decides to just leave it there anyway it makes it's no fine. fucking sense he, he doesn't want
1: to, he doesn't want to mess with it
0: he doesn't want, he's scared by it yeah enough. he's scared it. anyway so the the thing i was thinking of like okay how are they going to resolve this because mm-hmm. if the sister helps to find The the kid uh, Finny right if if like the the sister is solely responsible it removes all agency from Finny right like it's that is very unsatisfying narratively but if Finny does all the work then it's also unsatisfying because what was the point of having the sister character there in the first (laughs) place right so the idea then is like they both get to accomplish something at the end yeah they each get a house. Right, they each get a house. To, to find. <laughs> so, like narratively, it like makes sense, but like emotionally, it sounds like it didn't really work for you. It didn't work didn't, for. Me. Right. There's mm-hmm. a
2: moment early on when uh, Finny, Finny's the 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 son, right? Yep.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. yep
2: he um he has been captured, and the grabber comes down. Uh, the, right away, he you know he says, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a sandwich, and i have to find <laughs> out w- w- what that ringing is." but i'll come back and i'll explain why you're here mhm right and i thought oh awesome this movie is about like the bad guy is about to sort of <laughs> have <laughs> a reason Taking him mm. at his word, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, okay, so but <laughs> why put that line? I mean, I understand that. I, I do agree kid- with you. I yeah, do agree yeah, with yeah. you. It
0: feels like maybe there's a deleted scene there or something yeah, yeah, where yeah. he, like, talks a little bit more. And they're there's like, you know what? We, yeah. we had a thing, we had a scene where Ethan Hawke talks about why he brings kids here to torture them and kill them, and we decided, you know what? We don't need it. Like,
1: it feels like that might have happened, right? Yeah. And the, the kids kind of allude to like, he's playing a game with them and what he really enjoys is when they do bad things and then yeah. he has to punish them. Like
0: that, that, that is kind of all I feel I like it explains everything, but Jeff, yeah. What, what, yeah. what were you, you were still kind of disappointed that you didn't get that scene, right?
2: Yeah. I, I was, just I, I just never felt like I had a handle on any reason for anything. And I like, I, I like some mystery. Like you don't have to explain to me why the kids have supernatural powers. That's fine. like, Uh, You know, let that just be a thing that's a part of the tapestry of this universe where, you know, and I like how it kind of vaguely alluded to mom had the similar, you know, she had the shinning earlier too. So maybe it's hereditary shinning, you know, but uh, so I'm into all that. I just, and and there's like redemption for the dad, like don't fucking redeem the dad. I, I
1: don't think they really redeemed the dad. Like, I specifically, think they're trying to redeem the dead. At,
2: at the end, he's like, first of all, that
1: scene is horrific. And it probably yes. didn't need to go on for so long because Grief. man, rough.
2: Um and poor that poor actor. Like I felt sorry for that girl. Just, I just had to scream it's and not
1: great. Oh. Not great. Um, but they don't because he begs for forgiveness, they don't say anything, right? They don't they don't really say, like, yeah, dad. They don't absolve fine. him. They don't. Like no, they, they, but, they just yeah. kind of stare off into the distance. We like, yeah, as sure, an, dude. Yeah. We
2: as an audience see him regretful so Mm -hmm. I feel like the Mm -hmm. the movie is trying to say hey he's a good guy down deep you know know. like I don't know it kind of
1: goes both ways for me like the kids didn't be like okay dad it's all right and for me like that that would kind of unlock that for him if he's sorry then sure but nobody wants to deal like nobody is the movie isn't dealing with that part you know it's just him saying he's sorry I I will just say on the alternate
0: viewpoint uh, I got really emotional at the end when they when she Mm -hmm. sees him walk out Mm -hmm. of the house across the street and, like, it's all slow motion and the music kind of swells. I was like, wow, that's that uh, whole that final is really sequence. powerful.
1: That whole that's final just... sequence is good. Like, by the time where he gets all the stuff from the kids and, like, it is just the showdown between him and how brutal it gets. And it's basically the end of signs to you. Mm, it is yeah. very much mm-hmm. swing right. away, yeah. Jack. You yeah. got a bent yeah. arm. Yeah. And
2: I like that. Like, the the setup and payoff mm-hmm. of all that stuff. The, 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 is this kind of like puzzle
0: box where like each mm-hmm. kid yeah. gives him something that becomes useful at the end It mm-hmm. seemed
2: right. like a one thing, and it actually turned out to be another thing, but ultimately, it all felt so calculated it, like sure sure, sure n- mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I appreciated it, and I went, okay, I see what you're doing, movie. I see what you're doing mm-hmm. and I appreciate the attempt, but it felt very clunky and and laborious, like getting to all that stuff felt laborious. I didn't enjoy the steps along the way mm-hmm. uh as much. I, I only enjoyed it retroactively when I went, oh, okay. Well I see how each of those is a piece of this final. But but then also like literally it's just Deus Ex Machina. It's just all these ghosts gave him all the things he needed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, again, this movie just did not work for me. And and I'm maybe it's more to do with me than the movie, but I I I wish I was on its wavelength. I just was never on its wavelength. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, I, I think this is a. I, I really liked it. I think at its core, uh, it, it's kind of video gamey in some ways, right? Yes, like the, the yeah. ending of like, oh, all these different pieces Tetris together to form like the trap, the Rube Goldberg s crap that you're going to use to like defeat this guy, right? Um, and so like, it's kind of you know it has this kind of like almost campy tone um, mm-hmm. towards the end, but at the same time. Uh, it really worked for me. I think the the performance is great. Like, I bought I bought Finney as a character. I think that's like really powerful and and important. Um, but if there is to be some kind of underlying message, right? It's it's that uh, the ghosts of the people who came before like helped him defeat this uh this monster, right? And that's like mm-hmm. a powerful message, you know. Like, uh, it, it, to the extent that the movie, I don't think the movie is trying to like make a big pronouncement about how like we can overcome monsters in general but like to the extent that it is it's mm-hmm. that it's that like hey the, the ghost of these people who have like been defeated in the past can like can aid you and it's it's kind of empowering and inspiring in a horror movie kind of way you yeah, know yeah. so it, it yeah. reminds me of but, like
1: 80s horror movies too where it's like the kids have to take care of each other yeah you know because yeah. the ad- every adult in their world has kind of failed them right the cops are Freaking useless. You got black <laughs> balloons, guys? You found black balloons two times? Maybe go after the creepy ass magician with his black van that's always driving around the school. Like, come on. I, I so will that, say it Just go ahead. Talk to your
2: uh, previous yeah. point, Dave. Go ahead. Jeff. Yeah. I feel like if there had been, if there, I mean, again, this is a completely different movie, but if, if there had been scenes with the previous kids, where they had discovered these things Mm -hmm. and then passing along that information had been impactful in some way, but it's literally like there's no, we don't even know how those kids got that information. It's just because they're spirits and they know shit. Like they just have information. They give him information and that information is the solution. There's no earning it. There's no like it's, it was, yeah. I, I think it would have been I mean, much,
1: the message much, I got was like everybody was kind of struggling to survive. Right. Because it's what we see him do. He kind of tries everything. And this is the one thing they were able to do before they died. Like, that's what I got. Well, from so it. the one know, yeah.
2: they how did they find out that there was a, a storeroom on the other side of the wall? They didn't break they, through, the, the the he broke guy, through the wall. The other guy,
1: the other kid, broke through because he said he t- caused a ton of damage. He said you should have seen how much damage I caused. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. like broke through a weakness in the wall. It, it all happens off screen. but yeah. The, yeah. each
0: kid does have that. And struggle he mentioned that yeah, kid. They, mentioned they do it. talk yeah. about it, but it's, it all happens off screen. It just yeah, doesn't.
2: Right. It, it, none of it felt satisfying to me. And again, hmm. you're, so our, we're supposed to believe that the dude like patched up the wall from the kid yes. or patched up the other thing, and then mm-hmm. yes but doesn't take the phone out also kind of weird you know like <laughs> again it, what, what you, harm is the phone well, yeah. yeah you're really, well, it yeah. Makes you really no stuck sense. on the phone it's, yeah. it's yeah. no there's no there's no sourcing of any of it there's no uh-huh. the, the, like you said davindra there's no rules to any of it. it's just like right, well this right, happens right. to be here and that happens to be there and that happens to be here and the kids happen to know about it it's like it all feels so convenient mm-hmm. for it's like we started at the end and worked backwards from that instead of Mm-hmm. naturally, organically getting to the end.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I, I
1: kind of mm-hmm. found like every kid just like figured out one thing, right? And uh, there must, it seems like those were all the kids. I, I don't know if there were more kids like that were, that were murdered too, but they they all like try their own different way to figure things out. And some of them are kind of convenient. Like the, the kid who found the cable, like I guess he was just digging around the walls and like found something and managed to hide it away. But yeah, it, it, these are all the things we kind of accept to, to get to the good parts because there are some tremendous sequences. In this movie that i just want to talk about like his yeah. his first escape sequence just I, I could hear the kids like it was a bunch of teens in the theater with me just like them freaking out for that entire I, but again, it's, it's, a
0: genius, well it's a genius yeah. setup too like yeah. he wrote down five numbers and it's like wait is this 23 13 right, three right, you know right. and like all these this is like a cool idea for a sequence. super tense, like, super
2: awesome y- yeah but then mm-hmm. yeah. He just runs straight down the sidewalk, and the car pulls in front of him, and that's it. Like there's no like veer into the freaking house. What? <laughs> I, I felt like everybody in my in my screening, and I went to a yeah, packed screening. Yeah. Everybody in my screening was like what are you doing, you idiots? Like, don't just run straight on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. one of those frustrating, you know, horror movie things. Yeah, where... sure, yeah, yeah. sure.
0: Fair, fair enough. But the, uh, awesome sequence, awesome sequence. It is Also, awesome. just tense. the visual yes. of Ethan Hawke just sitting there, you know, on the chair was, like, really scary. Yeah. Um... But uh, but yeah. again, the but,
2: spirit knows he's asleep. How does the spirit know he's asleep? He's a spirit, I guess. I guess that's just the thing. I mean, he he
1: could see him upstairs. You know, like uh, he's just reporting what's there. Well, the the <laughs> the big plot hole there is that does the brother not notice the padlock on the front thing? Like oh, that's that brother thing. Like, how, yeah, the bro- the yeah. brother thing was it's, pretty rough. It's so rough. clunky. That's and again, yeah. it's
2: this weird goofy comedy stuck inside this horror movie. Uh, like every time you see that guy, it's played for laughs. Mm-hmm. And then and then we have that awesome reveal where it like pans down and you see him beneath that house and it's like well that's incongruous <laughs> I don't know I, that was again, a great moment though I'm that like was a good oh moment.
0: wow holy shit this but yeah like you it it felt to me like I think they only interact one time mm-hmm. maybe twice yes um, and one of the times is when it, an axe is going through his skull you know <laughs> right so and, and yeah. you
2: have no sense of what that relationship the is relationship is like yeah yeah and yeah. and. It feels like that brother character is in a d- completely different movie. Yeah.
0: I, I yeah. will say totally yeah. that did feel a little bit weird to have, like... The movie is, like, deeply upsetting. You're thinking mm-hmm. about, like, child murder for most of the movie. And, and then you
1: have a co-tip guy from, like, It's Always Sunny. Like, yeah. he's doing exactly. his conspiracy board. It, that <laughs> yeah. was, it's
0: a really weird. It's really weird. And I plan to ask... I'm going to plan to interview Cargill about this movie, and so I might ask about that.
1: <laughs> so what's up but, with that? Well, <laughs> what's up I, with that guy? I,
2: I, um, I, I, he, has, he has been... Incredibly uh awesome with me in our every interaction I've ever had with him. I, I really like the guy. I think he posts wonderful things on Twitter. I follow him and and I root for his career. I, I he's so supportive of writers in general. And if you if you follow Cargill at all, he he you know, he's one of those people who's like, Hey, I didn't sell my first screenplay until I was 35. Like it's never too late. He's just a great positive dude. And yep. I I I feel bad mm-hmm. not digging this movie the way most people have and It Mm -hmm. it pains me to be critical of it.
1: Yep. One thing I think it's worth mentioning, the rap had a really good interview with Scott Derrickson talking about like why this movie is so personal to him. And there's a lot of stuff like from his own childhood that is kind that is in here as well. And that is, I think like that that speaks to like the authenticity of this movie, or at least like the way it makes things feel so scary for these kids beyond just like the child grabber. But there there is a level that Derrickson is working with this story that I think you know a lot of us just aren't seeing because this is his life in in a certain way too. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it's a very personal story. I think yeah, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, I will say also, I don't, I haven't read the Joe Hill story. I'm planning to, um, but it's it's kind of like a really. From a screenwriting perspective, having the story being set in 1978 mm-hmm. just solves a ton of problems. Right? Oh yeah, no you cell know? phones, no cell phones, right? No ring cameras, because if it, if this guy existed in the age of ring, he would not exist in the age of ring, right? Like the people would clock that van with <laughs> black balloons like the second it appeared anywhere yeah. uh, near any of these places. Um, and also, just like people's willingness to just let kids, oh hey, you know, walk home from school by yourself.
1: We'll see you at five. You know, like <laughs> there may be a thing. child abductor on the loose, but it's fine. D- just yeah, go yeah. on your but own. That's like, it's the cool.
2: f- Funniest thing about this movie yeah. is yeah. is how like life just goes on. There's no hey, maybe we should not allow the kids <laughs> to walk home alone while uh, a numerous of them are but, going. But in. it does yeah. feel
0: accurate to the time. I have to yes, say, like it yes, does feel yes. like the kids of the '80s, like had they had a yeah. level of freedom that, that no other child will ever know. Right? Yeah, actually.
2: I, I, it sounds bizarre to say it, but I had a bit of nostalgia for that when I was watching this. Mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. I did used to walk home by myself <laughs> from school,
0: and nothing bad ever happened. <laughs> this movie I mean, about child ch- children getting brutally kidnapped and murdered. Uh, you know, I I really w- think wish back. Uh, you know, wish I was back in that time period when this this type of thing was possible. You know, so anyway,
3: I mean, <laughs> well, mm-hmm, at the end of mm-hmm. the
0: day. It's really impressive that Scott Derrickson and all the folks behind this movie made a movie. Um, and uh, Davindra and I enjoyed it. Jeff, not so much, but um, I'm glad it's uh, succeeding and uh, a lot of cool stuff in it. A lot of cool stuff in it. So that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. Find more episodes of this podcast at filmcast.com. Email us at filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen next week. It's going to be July 4th. We're going to take it a little bit easy. There's probably not going to be a normal after dark for the Patreon. And for our main episode, we're going to do just a review of the new Phil Tippett movie, Mad God, which is streaming right now on shutter. I think AMC plus that's going to be the whole episode. Is, is just talking about mad God and uh, we got a cool guest lined up for it should be fun but uh yeah we, we're we should take... do
2: something you know patriotic and celebratory for the holiday yeah. something oh, light
0: yeah. and easy yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure for sure but yeah so that's gonna be what we do next week um gonna take it a little bit easy just like have some, we we don't usually do like just a review episode but that's gonna be the plan next week but should be a lot of fun because I think this movie will make us question the nature of our reality so Uh, Look forward to that. Mad God is the review next week. Check out the movie. We will see you next week on The Filmcast.